May we turn, please, in the book of Deuteronomy to chapter 12, verse 11. Then there shall be a place which the Lord your God shall choose to cause his name to dwell there. Thither shall ye bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and heave offerings of your hand, and all your choice vows which, we, which ye vow unto the Lord, and ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God and your sons and your daughters. Would you kindly tell me when you people got married, and nearly all of you are, why most of you wanted to come here to this church and get married in the church? What made you want to do that? Very, very seldom do we have a wedding that isn't in the church. We all want to come in the church because we've got a beautiful red rug here. Is it because we've got a nice, lovely sanctuary in which we worship with all these uh, mahogany pews? Is that the reason you come here? Not at all. God told Moses and the children of Israel that they were to appoint a place where his name would be honored, and here they would come to take care of their choice vows. And when we come to have our children presented to the Lord and we claim the great covenant promises of our God and you parents make your most solemn vows to God for your child. Where do you come to do it? And why is it that we have insisted in the church through the years is that when we have the baptism service we have it here in the house of God before the people of God. We come here for our choice vows. And this is the place where we have come to exalt together the name of our God. We have dedicated this church and this building to the glory of God. And we have set it apart, all of us, that we might have here before us the word of God. And that we might have ministers who would arise and proclaim this word to us. That we should be instructed in the truth and that we should understand the will of our God for our conduct and for our faith. And here in this great passage in Deuteronomy, Moses is setting forth these mighty things of our relationship to the place where we've exalted the name of the Lord. And in that place where the name of God is held up before us in worship and in praise, we come with our choice vows. And it's into this place every Lord's Day that you and I come and gather. And as we come, we bring with us our envelopes and our tithes and our pledges. And as a solemn act of worship, and it is a part of the solemn act of worship, we pay our vows unto the Lord. We bring our gifts unto the Lord. And we bring them into his house where his name is exalted and where we would set forth our choice vows in order that the testimony of our God and of his Christ might be held up before us and before our children. Now it's interesting in this text which I have here in Deuteronomy that Moses tells us that we shall have a place for the name of the Lord 
He says, ye shall bring all that I command you into that place. And then he says, ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God, ye and all your children. You have a place to exalt my name, and we have a place to worship. You have a place where you bring everything that I command you, and you come into this place for your choicest of vows. And then he says, furthermore, ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God, ye and all your children. Beloved, when you and I have a part in maintaining the work of our God, we should rejoice with our children. When you and I are in a position to maintain in our country, in a free land, a place of public worship where we may come and hear the gospel preached, and we can send missionaries out to the very ends of the earth, we should come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. And we are a people who, by the help of God, have been able to lift up a testimony and a standard and to maintain a witness which is pleasing to our God. Now that's what Moses is talking about. And I've tried to tell you people as I've been expounding the book of Moses that the whole New Testament is back there in Deuteronomy. It's in all that Moses has given to us. And everything that Moses gave to us is back over here in the New Testament. The unity of God's people in their worship and in their faith. The oneness of God's people in every dispensation and every generation runs through this entire Bible from beginning to end. And beloved, God has had only one way. He's had only one method. He's had only one approach whereby he has desired that his work would go forward. And that is the gifts of his people. The gifts of his people. The only way this book sets forth the program whereby the work of the Lord is to be advanced and carried on is through the gifts and the ties of his people. And they give unto him because their hearts are filled with gratitude and love and they understand his commandments in this regard. Well, there it is, the 11th chapter of Deuteronomy, verses, or the 12th chapter of Deuteronomy, verses 11 and 12. Just as simple as anything can be. That's the outline of it. Now, all through this prophecy of Deuteronomy, you find the same emphasis as I pointed out to you last uh, Lord's Day. But today I'm going to take this emphasis upon bringing of our tithes and our offerings and our heave offerings into the house of the Lord and look at it in the broad perspective as you find it here in the book of Deuteronomy. And first I wish to lay before you the source of your possessions. Second, the ownership of your possessions. And third, the use of your possession. Man shall not live by bread alone. You don't live by your possessions alone. And in this outline, we have this fundamental basic relationship which God sustains to us and which we sustain to God. And out of that relationship, the church is built. 
And out of that relationship, the testimony of Christ is advanced and maintained by the people of God. And as we come to this every member canvas two weeks from today, as this entire congregation unites as one man in one place to lift up one great witness to the Word of God, every single one of us need to understand what the Bible teaches about our relationship to our possessions and our relationship to our God. Now, in regard to the source of our possessions, if you'll turn here in Deuteronomy to this 8th chapter, we find in verse 18 these words, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he sware unto his fathers, unto thy fathers, as it is this day. Moses is saying, after a while, he said, you're going to get prosperous, you're going to lift up your heart, you'll forget the Lord thy God, you'll forget the great and terrible things he did for you in times past, how he took care of you in the wilderness, took care of you when there was no water, took care of you when there were fiery serpents, took care of you all the steps of the way, you'll forget it. And then you'll begin to prosper and you'll say, My power and the might of my hand hath gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. Beloved, the source of all our possessions, Everyone, everything we possess is from God. He's the source of it. In fact, that's true of everything we have. Here on the front seat of the church this morning, there's a dear mother with some of her children here. And I was just looking at this nice, fair-haired, blonde little girl here with a yellow dress on. Does that little girl belong to this mother and this father? No, no, she doesn't belong to that. You don't belong to there. Where did this little girl get its nice golden hair? Would you tell me? At least she hasn't gotten old enough to try to change the color yet. But where did she get it? And where did this little girl get these nice, beautiful blue eyes that she has? And where do these little rosy cheeks come from? And where do these nice little hands with these fingers on them come? Where did these little legs that get into so much mischief arrive from? Where did all this come from? Did, did, did you make it? No, beloved, we had nothing to do with it. Beloved, every gift we have has come from God. Our little children were simply the means and the instruments that God has used to bring them into the world. And we're the ones that have to make them the yellow dresses. But we make them the yellow dresses because they have been put in our tender care to look after. And everything Moses says here in Deuteronomy is that you're to take care of your children because God gave them to you. And the source of our children is the Lord. The source of our possessions, God gave them to us. Oh, you say, that's not right, Pastor. I inherited some of mine. 
But would you kindly tell me who put you in that family so you could inherit it a little of something? Who was it ordained that you would be born in this family which has some property and you're going to inherit that sort of thing? Who made that arrangement for you, please? Oh, but you say, Dr. McIntyre, don't get too particular. Just think how I've saved and think what I've done and think what I've done. And that's exactly what God's saying. The day's going to come when you're going to rise up and you're going to say, I did this and I got this gain and I have these things and this is mine. And God says to Moses, you tell the children of Israel that they don't think like that, that they must remember that it is the Lord thy God he it is that giveth thee power to get wealth. Oh, beloved, the breath that you breathe, the very food that you eat, everything that comes into our very existence, what hast thou, O man, that thou hast not received? And the first thing that you and I must understand in relationship to our possessions is that the source of all that we have has been given to us from God himself. Oh, we must move out of this realm when it's mine and I got it and I'm going to do with it what I please. We must move out of that realm and begin to recognize that it is the Lord our God that he made us and he placed us where we are and he's the one who has enabled us to have the wealth and the gain that we have at this present moment. This is the basic lesson that Moses wants every one of us to understand as we think of the house of God in the name of the Lord in the rejoicing of our children in advancing the cause of Jesus Christ. Oh, beloved, let us remember that the source of every possession we have, even the health you enjoy, is a gift from your God. But I must go a step further. We must recognize in the second place that... The ownership of our possessions is actually not in our hands. Oh, but you say, Dr. McIntyre, Pastor, I've got the title deed to the house. It's in my name, and you can't talk to me like that because I have the title deed in my car. Even there's a mortgage on it and a big insurance policy and a few other things. But I have the satisfaction of saying it's mine. Oh, beloved, Moses is telling you and our Lord Jesus Christ is telling you and me that even the ownership, the very thing which we have has simply been loaned to us. It's simply been put in our hands as a steward and we're to give an account to the owner himself. And we must give an account of that stewardship in the great day when we come to stand before our Redeemer and before our Creator. Over in the 12th chapter of the book of Luke, you have the story of this rich man. And he went out and he built his barns and he planted his grain and the harvest was rich and ripe. And he didn't have enough room. And he says, well, he says, I'll have to build bigger barns. And then he had another harvest and everything was so good. And he says, I'll tear them down and I'll big, big, bigger barns. And then he says, I'll call in all my neighbors and all my friends and everybody everywhere and I'll say, eat, drink, and be merry. Here we are. God says tonight, sir, 
this soul of yours is going to be required of you, and then whose will these things be? This very night thy soul is going to take leave, and you'll not even be able to sit down at that banquet table and enjoy the niceties of the foods that came from what you call your field. They will be taken away from you. And beloved, just in these last weeks, just in these last days, there have been a number of people in our immediate area who've just been taken off like that so quickly. One by one we pass on, and what God wants you to recognize that what you have in your care right now is no more yours today than it will be yours the day after you have left. It belongs to the Almighty God, and He's put everything you have in your care. And when you say your prayers at night, you should say, Lord, I thank you for my home. I thank you for my car. I, I thank you for my family. I thank you for my wife. I thank you, Lord, for the lights that are on. I thank you for the bed I sleep in. I, I thank you, Lord, for the sunshine that's been on us today. I thank you, Lord, all of these things thou hast given in order that I might serve thee and use them for thy glory. Oh, beloved, when you get to this place, when you recognize and you believe that the possessions you have are not yours, but they belong to him, then you're ready to stop for just a moment and consider the, the situation as to just how you should use them and what you should do with them and how you should deal with them. You know, I don't want to divert the message this morning, but I have a temptation to. Because when I get to preaching in this area, my heart is stirred by some of the current issues that are facing us in the world at large. And I am thoroughly persuaded that in the light of the Bible and all the teaching concerning the law of God, our state should let us operate our own properties and handle our own affairs. I am thoroughly persuaded that this system of thought where the state moves in and owns everything and you don't own anything is wicked. I am thoroughly persuaded that this idea that the state comes in and takes control of the means and the instruments of production for the so-called good of everybody. It is contrary to everything that the Bible teaches concerning God's ownership of these things and the fact that he puts them in your hand to give an account to him in regard to that. And there's only one reason that there's a shift in these ideas in our nation today and in the thinking of our intellectuals. It is that they are getting away from the concept that God owns it and not the state. And that God has the right to distribute it and to put it in the hands of the stewards whom he raises up. And may I say that these were the ideas that were regnant in the minds of men who lived in this country 200 years ago, 100 years ago, even 75 years ago. And that we have the kind of social system with what we call the private sector today. We didn't even talk in those terms a hundred years ago. There wasn't anything but the private sector a hundred years ago. 
But we are shifting and we're shifting in this mighty area of our thinking in the social and the political world because we're getting away from the book of Moses and getting away from the responsibility of the individual in that God has put in his hands that which God wants him to use as a good steward. And I can tell you people this morning, the greatest regulator of your affairs should be the almighty God and not the state. Well, that brings us in the third place to this glorious concept, the use of our possessions. The use of our possessions. Who is going to tell us how to use them? The answer is simple. The one who owns them. Who is going to tell us what to do with them? The answer is not difficult. The one who put them in our hands. Do you mean to say God can regulate your life, but he can't regulate your children? Do you mean to say that God can regulate your life and not regulate your possessions? Do you mean to say that God can tell you what to do so far as your life is concerned and not tell you what to do when it comes to spending your money? Everything we have is in his keeping. We give our life to him and we sing, oh, how we love to sing the great hymns of dedication. Lord, here I am, everything. And we come and we bring our children when we have them infant baptized and we dedicate them and we take these covenant promises and we swear under God that we will teach them our faith and rear them in our faith. And we come to the marriage vow and you march down the aisles to the music and you stand here in the presence of the pastor and he gives you these solemn vows based upon the teaching of the Bible and you you two promise to live together until death do you part, honoring the commandments of the living God. And we're a people under vows, we're a people under oaths, we're a people under commitment, we're a people under the commandments of the living God. And he is the God who's to direct our lives, the use of our properties, and the way in which we even spend our time. Oh, pastor, do you mean to say that God has something to say about my time? He has everything to say about your time. Do you mean to say that God's going to tell me how to spend my money? He's going to tell you what to do with every bit of your money. You say, well, I don't want that kind of God. Well, I do. I want to be under that kind of God. He made us. He redeemed us. He's placed us here to do a ministry and a work for him. And consequently, we're going to get, come just as close to him as we can. Oh, he knows all things. And he knows exactly what he wants us to do in his service and for his glory. And beloved, what delights my heart about it all is when I come to this part of the scriptures, when I come to this place, thank God I'm not the one up here trying to tell you people how to handle your finances. I have trouble with my own, much less yours. I can't tell you how to run your house. I can't tell you how to run your finances. And I don't intend to. But I can hold up before you the infallible Word of God. And oh, beloved, how, how sweet it is that God's put it all in this book for us. It's all there for us. I don't know what these other people are going to do when they throw away this new confession. 
they're going to have a hard time getting their guidance because they no longer have the Bible. They've got to listen to history. They've got to listen to the revolution. They've got to hear God speaking in, uh, in the world. And so instead of just having one place to hear God speak, they've got to go to the revolution and get him out of there. And they've got to go to the world somewhere and get him out of there. I'm not interested in God speaking in the revolution because he's not speaking there. I'm not interested in God speaking out here in the world because he's not speaking there. I'm interested in hearing his word. That is the place where he has spoken. And it is in this blessed book. And this is all we need. This is all we have. We don't need any more. This is plenty. And God has laid it before us. And Moses has told us this is plain as anything that man shall not live by bread alone. But you're going to live by every word that cometh out of the mouth of the Lord. And the words of the Lord have to do with your life. The words of the Lord have to do with your time. The words of the Lord have to do with your possessions. The words of the Lord have to do with your children. The words of the Lord are sufficient and adequate for us. That's all we need. Turn with me please over here to Leviticus. The last chapter of Leviticus. Very last chapter. Verse 30. This is the third book of Moses. And here we have these tremendous instructions of God to Moses concerning these matters of the possessions of the people. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. And if a man will at all redeem out of his tithes, he shall add thereunto the fifth part thereof. And concerning the tithe of the herd or the flock, even of whatsoever passeth under the rod, the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. He shall not search it, whether it be good or bad, neither shall he change it. And if he change it at all, then both it and the change thereof shall be holy. It shall not be redeemed. These are the commandments which the Lord commanded Moses for the children of Israel in Mount Sinai. God said, Moses, my plan for carrying on my work is that you take the first fruits of your increase. You take the first tenth of all your possessions and you just bring them down and give them to the Levites in the house. Bring them our labor. He says, furthermore, I have ordained that my work shall have first priority. The work that I have to do on this earth is above every other work. What I want to perform on this earth is of greater value and must be held in higher esteem by all of my people than anything else they have anything to do with. This must absolutely be first. The testimony of the word. Now, he says, you bring to me the tithe. 
First place, I want you to know it's mine. And if you take it away from me, then you're guilty of stealing from me. And that's the whole argument of Malachi with which we're so familiar. Will a man rob God? Well, how do you rob him? You take the tithe, it's his. He says the, the tithe is the Lord's. The first tithe, the first tenth, the very first thing that we do is to think of him. We say, now, Lord, that's right, it's yours. But then he says in the second place, it's holy. And he puts the word there, which is used in relationship to Holy Scripture, which is used in relationship to Holy, Holy Ghost. It's used in relationship to these, the holy place in the sanctuary, the holy of holies. It's the word that means uh, a master. It means separate. It means laid aside. It's something that you put off over here, completely separate, and has a special standing, a special position. And he says, now this is holy unto the Lord. It's not only mine to begin with, but I want to tell you that after you recognize it's mine, I want to tell you that it's holy so you can't go back and play with it and touch it. And he even goes so far as to say that if you are tempted to borrow from your tithe, the interest rate is 20%. And you can do better than that at the bank. You can do better than that somewhere else. He says, don't you touch that top. And furthermore, in the matter in regard to these sheep of yours and your cattle, as you count them out, he says, they come down through the line here, and every tenth one, the... Uh, the marker falls, and that one's marked for the Lord. And you, another tenth one, the marker falls. Another tenth one, you start out with the first one, then you make ten, 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 ten. And this one belongs to the Lord, this one belongs to the Lord. And he says, now don't go take a look at that one and say, well, here, I'm going to substitute him with one that's not so good. I'd like to have that one. He says, if you try anything like that, the one you talked about and the one that you want to substitute, which you think may be even better, I'll take them both. And both of them will be holy unto me. God is saying to you that his work, his kingdom, his church, the ministry of the gospel is the most important thing on the face of this earth as far as he is concerned. And he gave us our possessions. He owns our possessions. And he says, now in the use of these possessions, I'm telling you that the very first tenth of that is mine. And furthermore... It is holy. It is such a perfect thing. I've just laid it aside for the things that I want you to bring. And then bring it with you. Bring your children. Bring everybody. Come into the place where my name's exalted. Come into the place and manifest this testimony. And what will you do? You will rejoice in what God has done for you and in what God is doing for you. You people know that your pastor speaks on these matters. And through these years, I've held up these standards and you people have responded and tithers and givers and you give more and more. It's the greatest giving church in the country. I think we've got the greatest giving church in the country. I never saw the like. Every time I think that you people are about giving out, then you just start. It's the most amazing thing. The, way, the more you give, the more you want to give, the more you desire to give. But what have we done? Beloved, if I hadn't stood in this pulpit through these years and preached the Word of God to you people like I preached, we wouldn't have the blessings we've had. We wouldn't have had it. And because I have held up these standards to you, and I brought to you these mighty testimonies, and this morning I'm speaking again from Moses, that your possessions, where did you get them? God gave them to them. 
Your possessions, who owns them? Well, you don't. God owns them. Your possessions, how are you going to use them? Well, he says, the first tenth belongs to me, that's all. The first tenth is mine. And it's holy to me. And I'm asking you to believe that if you do what I've asked you to do, you and your children will rejoice. You will rejoice. My, when you come to a passage like this, will you turn over to the Sermon on the Mount for just a moment in the sixth chapter of Matthew. You have that great section which concludes with the mighty text that's meant so much to this church through these years. Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. But this passage begins back in 24, verse 24. And will you read it now? Just look at it. No man can serve two masters. For he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. It's just that simple. If you're going to serve God, well, you'll give him what he asks, and that'll be finished. But if you're going to serve mammon, then it's your proposition, and it's your ways, and your life, and your everything else. You can't serve God and mammon. It's impossible. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, what ye shall drink, nor for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Look at the fowls of the air. They sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his statute? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? Take therefore no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. Your heavenly Father knows you need some clothes. Your heavenly Father knows you need some meat. Your heavenly Father knows you need a shelter. He knoweth that you have need of these things. And beloved, I can say to you that in meeting the needs of your material uh, necessities of life, with the assistance of God, you'll get along farther and get along much better than if you try to do it by yourself without him. And then he says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. I'll see that you eat. I'll see that you have some clothes. I'll see that you're taken care of. But the one thing is I want you to put me first, my kingdom first, my name first. And I want you to recognize that all the possessions you have, the source of them came from me. I want you to recognize that everything you have is not yours, it's mine. I just loaned it to you for you to use and give an account to me. And then I've told you to bring the first tenth, at least the first tenth. And that's mine, especially just for my church, just for my missionary work, just for the great work that I want to be done in my name. And I want you to lay that aside and keep it holy. And if you'll do that, he says, 
I'll take care. I'll let you rejoice. I'll make you happy. And you'll find in me your peace and your security. Oh, my dear beloved, today there's only one thing that I can have to say to you. Will you believe God in these matters? You people who are members of this church and you people who are listening to me, many of you have come in in recent months and you've entered into this church because you love the Word and we were standing for the Word. Now I say to you, go on with it. Go all the way that God asks you to go. Go all the way that He's asked all of us to go. And then you'll find undergirding His Spirit and His blessing and His power and He will be unto us what He has promised our Father. Your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. And I remember how old dear beloved Elder Veach used to say, he's gone to heaven. He said it many a time. He says, God can make nine tenths go further than you can make ten tenths go. And I can guarantee you, beloved, if he's with you, he'll make nine tenths what you possess go a great deal further than if you lock him outside and say, I'll do this thing by myself. He'll make sure that your ten-tenths will end up about five-tenths or something else because you really have problems. But he can make nine-tenths go further than you without him can make ten-tenths go. And that's what Moses is talking about. Let us pray. Oh, our Father, we thank thee this morning for this magnificent passage of the Scripture. How precious it is to read and to see and then to understand the source of our possessions, the ownership of our possessions, the use of our possessions. And in that use, our Father, you've told us that the first tenth of everything is yours in this special way. For thy name's sake, Lord, may we all believe it. And may we all practice it. And may we all see that only the things of God abide. Heaven and earth shall pass away. But thy word will abide forever. Amen.